My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, welcome back to the Sunday Talk podcast with Father Christopher Vaccaro, the chaplain at the Catholic Campus Ministry at the University of Mary Washington in Fredericksburg, Virginia. If you are joining us for the first time, welcome. This podcast is entitled Navigating Friendships and Dating Successfully and is an ongoing talk given by Father Vaccaro to the students at Mary Washington every Sunday evening at the St. John Bosco Center, the home of our campus ministry. In today's episode, Father Vaccaro describes our heart as a castle, starting with the garden of virtue that holds all of our acquaintances to the most valuable rooms inside the castle. This analogy helps us to recognize who we are letting into our hearts and ensure that we have proper guards so that our hearts are not an open door policy with people coming in and going as they please. Stick around to learn about how to cultivate the boundaries of your heart. Here, my friends, is Father Vaccaro. All right, let us pray. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, we ask you to bless our discussion. May we grow in our ability to be good friends and help those who are our friends to be better individuals before you and one day be reunited in the kingdom of heaven. Amen. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, so uh, we're going to speak about the maturity and friendship uh, in a bit, but before that I wanted to finish, if you remember the last time we were looking at qualities of, um, qualities of being a good friend, virtues that were necessary in good friendships. So we had courtesy, generosity, so hopefully you guys have been employing. Has anyone tried to employ any of the, the uh, skills that we put out there? Letter right. Okay. What did you try to do? I have very deliberately been holding doors and saying hello to people as they walk by. And how's that gone? I'm having a blast. She hates it. Well, as long as he doesn't do the hello, welcome, would you like a piece of candy? Like that just makes it weird. <laughs> hello, welcome, you like a piece of candy. That's it. There's nothing wrong with that. Do you keep some candy on hand just in case? No, he doesn't. So then he's just offering nothing. <laughs> but the holding the doors make it. All right, that's good. What have you been doing? Uh, I, said I should practice shaking people's hands if you told me to. Oh, stick the hand out and then? Like, hello. Like giving a handshake. Yeah. It's been interesting. I've gotten a lot of um, weird looks, but nobody's denied my handshake mm-hmm. yet. So right. I say it's... There we go. The denial has occurred. I remember when I was teaching our student leaders a few years ago, I said, when new students come in, I said, here's the tactic you should take. I said, stick your hand out and chase them like a cop. In other words, like go right after people because you'll find you stick your hand out with the exception of what just went on there. Uh, the People almost always stick their hands right into yours and you can introduce yourself. It's a good way to get to know people. Now people are like, uh, there was a girl who was like, I never want to shake anyone's hand after COVID. It's like, well, guess what we found out? That's not how you were catching COVID from a handshake. So we hopefully are back to handshaking again, which is a nice way of human beings to interact. If, otherwise, you can do a fist bump, right? It's a good way to, to greet people. Uh, also, I want to throw in one last one, which is 
faith, a specifically Christian element, which is we must not think, this is the key thing, that everyone is the same or that everyone needs to immediately have the same goals uh, or even the same way of thinking. Now, key word there is immediately because I think too often in our society, everyone is trying to make everyone seem homogeneous in their thought process. And we do that in friendships. Like, if you don't agree with me, I amputate you. And there's a problem with that. In other words, part of the beauty of life is that we don't all agree. That's what, call, that's what discussion is. That's what compromise is. That's what relationships are founded on. Um, however, this is not the end because we're often thinking also of what is the end, that we're all going to be reunited one day with the Lord. It's beautiful, just like a, a field. If you've ever seen a field with many different flowers, it's beautiful to see different flowers, right? Why is that so nice? Because it brings a different perspective on or element of the beauty that's there. It's also nice to see a bunch of roses, but when you get roses plus daffodils plus sunflowers, whatever it may be, it adds the beauty of what is, is there. And that's really what a friendship should be. We must always see what I call holy partiality should root what we do. And not holy as in W-H, H-O-L-Y, holy partiality. By this we mean that we are like God and rooted in goodness. So the one thing that should ground friendship is a common understanding of goodness in terms of this part that we're speaking about here. Like the one thing you would not have is relationships that cannot accept one another, understanding the nature of what is good. That's when you run, run afoul in relationships. You may, a good example is like if, if you're with a group of friends and, and every weekend you hang out with them, you're drinking or engaging in behavior that is harmful to you. Okay? Okay, you're not? Okay, great. Thank you. But here's the thing, you, that's what I mean by holy partiality, is goodness rooting that relationship. Should we be talking about this? Should we find out why it is that, we're, it, we're, that that's what we need to be doing every weekend? This means there is no division between people except between good and evil. I, I accept your differences, except insofar as they lead me to evil. And we've got to understand that phrase. Notice it's not, I use that word deliberately. We don't like to use the phrase evil. But when we're dealing with morality, that's the appropriate phrase. It's not just a, you know, a bad decision or something that we could do different things differently. There's degrees of evil, but there's a reason we call it evil. We shouldn't be doing it. So that would be the only thing. I would, we, we should not be friends with people who are engaged in evil enterprises. Does that make sense? Would you agree with that? I mean, in general, like, it's, it's also bad bed, bedfellows for business. People are engaged in bad things. That's not a person you really want to be engaged in a business enterprise with. Yeah. Louder, please.
Right. Yeah, I think there's there's truth to that. We we well, part of it is society now. We say we don't draw any boundaries. Like I I actually said to someone one time. I said, who how what do you, how do you become friends? Like what kind of people? And the line that we all like to use is, I'm a friend to everyone. Okay, I'm a friend to everyone. That sounds nice. It's also not true. You're not a friend to everyone. You may be kindly towards people, but that doesn't mean you're a friend to everyone. So then the question is, who is my friend? And what I'd argue is we don't have any criteria often of what a person, and when I get into the imagery of the castle, you'll see, what is it that a person gains access to your heart? Who's coming in and out of your heart? Anyone? I mean, it would be like, to use another thing, who goes into your home? Do you have an open door policy at your house where your parents don't know who I am? I just like stroll up to your house and go in. I'm like, hey, how you doing here? You know, yeah, where's the kitchen? What's for dinner tonight? I would get a bullet? All right. Well, remind me not to go to her house, okay? The... But the thing is, if you look about that, there's a reason why uh, that we keep doors locked, people knock before they enter, so that you can make a decision of whether or not you want to admit them. Isn't it interesting that in friendships, we often aren't doing that? We're not discerning what we're doing. We're just sort of admitting everyone in, and then we're not realizing who's there. So I say again, there should be no division between people except between good and evil. That's where division sets up. This means we should accept differences in people. It's okay to be weird. But don't accept sin as part of the journey. There's a difference between being weird and sinful. Okay, and you can draw however you want to do it. Weird would be like someone who eats sandwiches with peanut butter and tomato. And I do know someone who does that. That's weird. Are they here? No, I don't think they're here. No, they're not here. Does anyone eat sandwiches with peanut butter and tomato here? But someone told me that and they're like, oh, it's really good. Or, or here's another one, not as bad, but who eats peanut butter and, and marshmallow sandwiches? <laughs> oh, did you? I didn't. All right, well, there's some of you. I would find that slightly weird. I've never had one, and I don't intend to. But, but other people would say they like that. People do all kinds of things. that like Some people like to dive out of uh, airplanes, skydive, okay? Other people would say, I'd never do that. So you may say, you, well, the other person's looking and saying, that's slightly weird. Clothing styles that people wear. This is kind of weird. All right? Yeah, it's a specific look. You may say, I, I never plan to wear that. Okay, good, good for you. But the thing is, it is a look. And that's what I mean, is weird is okay, but sinful is not. And we need to understand the difference. Otherwise, we are not caring for what is best in other people. And therefore, it is not a true friendship. If we tolerate evil in a relationship, we are not friends. It's sometimes hard to realize, but it's the truth. No matter what you call it, to accept evil is to not be a friend.
because it is not loving. And let me give you the line that is always the most dangerous line in relationships. It's dangerous when parents say it, and it's dangerous when friends say it. There's nothing you can do that I would not support. And what I mean by that is not obviously, but if whatever decision you make, I'll be there to support you. Put a caveat, and I'd agree with it. For every morally good decision you make, I'll be there to support you. See, that's my caveat for morally good decisions. So the, the line between friendship and no friendship, between love and no love, really rests in the line between good and evil. Does that make sense? Okay. Now, the end being heaven, that makes sense. That gives the perspective of that. Otherwise, and I want you to know, not just from a religious standpoint, so let's say we, we say, pull the religion off, Father. Fine, I'll do so. I ask you, where does it end up when you don't have that line in a relationship? You're unclear where you're at at all times. There doesn't seem to be anything that is the compass of the relationship. There's people choosing all kinds of different things, and whatever people do, you're just traveling along and following wherever that may be. But if, if, you're not, if you don't have an end of a relationship, where are you, where are you going? And I would argue, related to the homily I gave tonight, is one of the reasons that we talk about a whole lot of nothing. It's because we're really not going anywhere in our relationships. And if you want to know why relationships end as quickly as they do, let me tell you, they're not deep. When you, if you never talk about deep matters, why do you think you have a deep relationship? It'd be like, to use an analogy, I say to you, we'll never get deep, well, I'm teaching you a math class, but I only am going to teach you basic addition and subtraction. Year after year after year. I'm not helping you along to know math. I've given you a very elementary understanding of math. So don't fool yourself into saying, well, I've taken 12 years of math if all you're doing is addition and subtraction over and over. You've taken the equivalent of one year of math, if that. Does that make sense? In friendships, people are doing that. Oh, we've been friends for 12 years. We've been friends for 20 years. We've been friends for three years, whatever it is. What have you been talking about? What have you been doing? Length of time, if it doesn't have depth of character and depth of conversation, does not bode well for long-term relationships. And if you're someone who you look at your life Hopefully you're not in here, but if you're looking at it and you're like, you know, every time I go to a new stage of life, I lose my friends. I would argue that a lot of what is going on is your friendships aren't as deep as you may think they are. Now, to help you with that, well, two things that I would give you just as a thought, and then I want to go into the image of the uh, castle, is if, as Christians, is faith part of your friendships? Do you ever pray with your friends? Oh, we do grace before meals. Okay. Outside of that, it would be a good habit. I mean, and it doesn't need to be weird. Again, you, you, know, you don't need to stand up and say, I'd like to read from you for you from Acts of the Apostles. <laughs> you could just say, is there anything that I can pray for you? Is there any way I can help you? Is there anything I can do for you? Um, you know, that would be a good thing to add into a relationship. The second is do we call out sin 
with our friends? And we, do we allow them to call it out in our life? Like, do we actually say, look, if I, if, if I act the fool, call me out, and I won't blow up at you. What we usually say, we, oh, I would never say that to a friend of mine. I'd never call him out either. Okay, superficial. Here we are again. We're in the land of superficiality again. So that's part of the faith-filled friendship, which is you look at it and you say, do we have the depth of integrity in our relationship that we would tolerate and support one another becoming a better version of myself or the other person by not tolerating what would be evil, calling out sin? You know, that's what happens in good marriages, I hope you understand, just to fast forward. I said to you a couple weeks ago, I think, you know, what happens when one, not even like a horrible thing, but like, say you're at a party, your husband or wife acts the fool. What do you think the car ride home is going to have? So that's right. That's how it begins. So there's the silence. And then it's like, is everything okay with you? Oh, yeah, everything's fine. Translation. Nothing's fine, okay? Let's translate what that phrase means, okay? Then say, well, no, no, speak up. Speak your mind. Yeah, I didn't appreciate what you said to whoever at the party there. Don't ever do that again and embarrass me. Silence. Okay, you're right. All right, want to get a coffee on the way home? Yeah, relationship bettered. But what was happening there was the correction of, even if it wasn't a moral flaw, though in some cases it is, what was a relational flaw and possibly a moral flaw? Yeah. Is there a way, I mean, I guess with anything, it can be overdone, but is there a way that you can do that in a negative way? Because I just, like, I remember being in high school and my sister would pee under the table when we were out with friends, or I have the same situation when we would be out with friends on the way home, and my sister would be mad because I laughed too much, or I made a joke, or I asked a question that she didn't particularly like. And it wasn't every once in a while. It was at least every other time we were out with friends that she'd get mad at me for embarrassing her or acting weird. Well, and that's what I'm saying. The baseline really should be moral evil because the, to, to go too far is to change who a person is, if that makes sense. You can't really change what you're laughing at. I mean, you can try to withhold it, but if you find that funny, as long as it's reasonable to find funny, there's nothing wrong with that. So, yes, people can go overboard with it. Just because people say things does not mean that it is reasonable. But when they're dealing with something serious like that, and if it's someone who you're in a relationship with, who's mature, uh, that, and that's probably the component that may be missing here, uh, you, you usually want to listen to what they have to say. If you're dating that person, you better listen to what they have to say. Otherwise, the next time you're driving home, you're not going to have any problem with that because no one's sitting in the next seat. <laughs> it's the truth. That's right, exactly. Hey. That's right, yeah, that's right. So before I do the castle imagery, 
what would, let me ask you guys this. I, want, I had a question for all of you. How do you establish a good friendship? What are things, and I don't mean like, I, here's what I don't want to hear. Everyone just throwing out different things that sound good. Calling people on time, giving them gifts for all of the major holidays and whatnot, and then inside you're like, I don't do any of those things, okay? So what do you do to establish good relationships? Yeah, what's your name? Uh, being, oh, Adi. Adi, great. For me, it's being there for all the good times and the bad, the harsh times that they're going through. Okay, so to be present in their life. Okay, great. Yeah. Um, I try to listen, really listen when the person is trying to speak to me because I hope that they will also listen when I'm trying to tell them something that is important to me. So, like I said, it's like I have a problem with someone, the way someone's acting. Obviously, I want the person to really listen to me and hear me out before blowing up on me. So I try to hear the person out and listen to them. If they come to me and they say, hey, I don't really appreciate that, or you know, just because you believe this doesn't mean that I do, and I prefer you not keep bringing it up, et cetera. So honest conversation. Yeah. Candid conversation. Candid. Calm, candid conversation. Okay. We've got to put that calm in front of it. Okay. Anyone else? Okay. Assume, yeah. Yeah, man. I was saying, like, frequently and, like, consistent conversation. Like, Regular conversation. Yeah. Okay. Make sure we're all doing okay. As affirming and making sure that everyone's on the same page. Are we doing okay here? Yeah. That, okay. That's good to ask every once in a while. Is everything okay here? Yeah. To ensure that they know that they're loved. How do you do that? Well, you can do that in many ways, Father. <laughs> but how do you do it? That's my question is how are you actually doing that? First, I learn their language of love. Okay. So one of the five love languages. Okay. And then you accommodate them in that language. Okay. That's a good way to do it. Yeah. You're stretching? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, Katya? Saying that, say that again. Oh, okay. Being there for them, with, okay. Showing up when they don't expect kind of thing. That's a good way to do it. Anyone else? Yeah, Claire? Try to be very quick to apologize if something goes wrong. You do the same thing? Yeah. You too? Okay, that's a good... That is, good, that is a good thing to do. Later on, we're going to get into how, how to apologize well because people don't know how to do that. That's actually one of our topics. Because people do not know how to apologize well. So, I'm sorry doesn't count unless it goes from the heart, like why you're sorry. Right. So just saying it, for instance, here's a little preview. Just saying I'm sorry does not necessarily make things better. Because if it isn't sincere and the other person doesn't receive it, all you've said is loose words. You may have meant it, but it wasn't received. It's just like if you mail a package to someone and they don't get it. It doesn't mean that their Christmas was any better. That makes sense? Yeah. I mean, just call and say, I, <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, mail it early. Anyone else have an idea? The answer is no. Okay. Well, I would give you, you know, it would be a good idea. You don't need to sit in the floor. I mean, if you, 
You want to sit on the floor? Okay. All right. I was just seeing all these open chairs. I was, but sit wherever you'd like. Uh, the, you know, I often think, like, for what makes a good friendship? You guys should ask yourself that and say, am I behaving in a manner that would be a good friend? Do I like the behaviors? I think a lot of times people do not assess what it is that they are really looking for in relationships, and they're not behaving in a manner that would be good. The number of people who are like constantly writing and saying, oh, I'm terrible at emailing, or I blow, I miss, you know, appointments with people. I blow. You can only do that so often before, let me tell you, you will be relegated outside of the circle of friendship. People tolerate a little bit and then they bounce you. They don't tell you you're bounced usually, though sometimes they do. They just bounce you. If you're like, well, I don't know why, you know, the person isn't inviting me to lunch. L look often to yourself. Did you cancel the last three times? There's your reason. It's the they truth. Think you'd show up then. That's right. So they give up. You give up on that. If you never take initiative towards people, if you're always this person and you're like, someone said this to me one time. They're like, you take initiative. I appreciate that you always invite me out. I said to the person, well, you start inviting me out too. You got to learn it. I mean, you can't be someone who's receiving all the time. You got to give. Otherwise, it's a one-way relationship. Does anyone like one-way relationships? Yeah, that's what I thought. It's depressing. It is. And at a certain point, you say, I've got enough of that in my life. I'll move along. And that's what happens. So if you're someone who's a receiver and you're like, well, I really don't invite people to lunch. I don't do gifts. I don't write letters. I mean, it's all these things. And I always see on like Facebook, people will write at Christmas time. It'll come out soon. It'll be like, I'm not writing Christmas cards this year. And then there's like a litany of other uh, deadbeats underneath it saying, well, I'm not writing them either. It's so we can feel good in our lack of trying to be the best version of ourselves. Why wouldn't you try to do that? You've still got six weeks or whatever it is. Get some cards, mail them. That's how, would your friends not more appreciate that than nothing, right? Yeah. Which would you prefer? Someone to send you a blast email or a Facebook message on Christmas that says Merry Christmas and probably is something they're writing on Instagram or Facebook to 10 different people same message, or someone to write you a card. Who would like the blast message? Oh, amazing. Okay. Who would prefer a, yes? No, I was like, I, I would just prefer anything except a blast. Because like, there's no feeling behind it. No feeling, right. There's no feeling behind it. There's no point in it. That's right. No one wants it. Don't do it. Here's another one. Would you prefer a handwritten card or a typed letter that clearly is going to everyone on the Christmas list with just a name signed at the bottom. Who wants the signed card with a nice note inside? Okay, who wants the handwritten form letter that does it? Okay. Okay, now, I'm sorry, the form letter, the form letter, not hand, hand, hand signed form letter. I meant hand signed form letter. So we have some people who like the hand-signed uh, form letters. Uh, why is that, Jordan? Why, why do you like that? 
No, the, 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 typed, the typed letter, or maybe I was confused. Let's say this again, because it may, may have been my error. Last Perhaps, email or handwritten yeah. card. Yeah, letter written, form letter written to everyone that is signed, because usually there is a signature at the bottom. Who likes that? Okay, now it's down to zero. Unless it's for like a certificate. No. Right, a certificate. But guess what? If you get a, a Christmas card a lot of times now, guess what you get? A stuffed letter that goes to everyone with the signature, or the person doesn't even write you a note, just signs their name. What's yeah. You know my favorite Christmas card that I got? George Washington, or uh, uh, Ben, George Washington. Ben Franklin came in a Christmas card and he, he gave me a card, so I was very happy. Father, we want to know what your opinion is on the picture Christmas cards. Like the, like the sheet of the, like the family one. Okay, the picture Christmas cards are very similar to the hand, the uh, typed letter. Uh, if you write a note, now hold on, you could write a note on them. But if all it is is a picture card that you're stuffing in, people like to see a picture of the family. It's a little bit better than the letter, but it's still not personal. My point is that a card by nature should be personal. And everyone in here agrees with that. That's why if I said, would you prefer a picture card or a handwritten letter? Who would prefer the picture card? Right. Now, if I said this, picture card with a nice handwritten letter, who would like that? Oh. Now the hands go up. <laughs> so it's not the, the picture card isn't the problem, and nor is the note inside. I don't mind if you, wanna, if you say, well, I don't want to write everything to everyone. You can have a little summary of the year, but you can also write a note and say, here's a personal note to the person inside. So that's just an example of the way we do things that we got to change. So here is the, the, what I mentioned, that, and I, I always like to discuss this, which is the, 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 the image of the heart, the castle image. I, I years ago was thinking, I said, like, I, I stole this to some degree from St. Teresa of Avila and her, the, her, the mansion, uh, but I adapted it more to the nature of understanding one's heart. As I said, we need to have an image, or I needed an image, that would help me to understand where people were in relationship to me, where I was, who am I as a person, and what are the things that are key for me to communicate in relationships with other people? And also good questions to ask about them. So the image that came up was, and I wish I had a, a screen here, but since we're not in the other room now, no screen, I actually have an image that I like to use that is a very beautiful castle that has a very large garden up out front, and then there's a little drawbridge that connects, so I want you to picture this. Big garden area, then a nice drawbridge over a small moat, and then there are the doors to the castle. And the reason I say castle is very similar to what I do in wedding preparation, uh, there's a, 
uh, many times couples will come in, in in wedding preparation many times and they'll say uh, I'll ask them like why are you here in a professional manner okay I'll ask that and they'll say well you know my grandmother wants me to get married in a church you know I've, I've been Catholic I want to get married in a church uh, but it's really they don't really have any concern of why they're getting a Christian marriage. It all has to do with, with uh, outside. I want, to get, I want the pictures there. So none of these things are key moves. So what I often say is this. I say, now let me explain what wedding prep is. I say, I like to use an analogy for that. I say, you may have come here looking for a one-room apartment. You know, and that would be the wedding ceremony. I don't sell one-room apartments. I only sell mansions. And, your, and my mansion has everything you want in your one-bedroom one, uh, apartment, or even two-bedroom apartment, okay? And more. There's a reason when people are purchasing things, unless they're downsizing, that as they go through life, they're looking for something slightly bigger. Because it has everything that was in the smaller variety and more. And I said that is when you look at marriage as not just the day, the wedding ceremony for grandma or for the pictures, but a marriage for the whole of life. I said that is what wedding preparation is. And then I use that as the bridge and use the castle imagery because that is the mansion. So the reason, let's begin outside of the mansion. In relationships, it is important to realize something and to stop using a phrase that we overuse. We are calling too many people friends. How do you define a friend? That's why I asked you the question of like, what, it is, what it is. What is your definition of a friend? And I don't mean a book definition. What's your definition of someone to be considered a friend? Who would like to throw out? Yeah. For me, it'll be like a person each other on, and are like open to like a more like more like not like fully open maybe, but like open to a certain degree, where like we can like have like a proper open like communication. So it's two people who have open communication with yeah. one another. Okay. All right. Anyone else? Okay. Do you have any friends? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me. Um, mine is kind of twofold. First off, I consider people I consider my friends is someone that I have a connection with mm -hmm. and that I feel a connection to. But on added on top of that is also someone who goes out of their way to see and interact with me outside of a direct setting. So like. I have a lot of acquaintances at the CCM, but I only really see them at the CCM and at CCM functions. But I do have a few friends that come to the CCM, but we go out and we go to the mall, we hang out on campus. I'm like trying to get them to come home with me, but that's a little more difficult. But we, out, we see each other in multiple sections of our lives, not just at school or at the CCM or at work. So a multi-dimensional relationship then? Yeah. Okay. There's something about Tim Keller. 
<laughs> All right, well, uh, that's, that's good. I get what you mean. She puts them in a suitcase and to totes them along. Anyone else? Yeah. Okay, so it, it, it is seeking good, goodness and respect for you with effort involved. Yeah. yeah. Someone who always listens back to Christ. Okay, but what does that mean? And I don't mean that, I don't mean that. No, 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 I, I, I just, I, and, I, in other words, I understand. Yeah, I understand. So, you know, each person has sort of the way that they approach relationships, which centered on Christ, willing to come home with you in a multi-dimensional, <laughs> multi-dimensional <laughs> friendship. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. If you want to be her friend, you must travel to the Blue Ridge Mountain. Or is it Blue Ridge? Blue Ridge. Blue Ridge. Oh, have you been to the Blue Ridge? No, not yet. All right. Well, I'm one of the friends that's just trying to. Oh, oh, okay. So, here, here is the way that I approach it. Mine is it's a, a bit more complex, but I found it helpful. Maybe some of you will too. The first thing is, I call it the garden of virtue. Every relationship, there are certain things that enable a person to get to know another person well. Think about normal human dynamics, which is how does one enter into a relationship of any variety with another, whether it be a good professional relationship, a friendship, a dating relationship. I would call these the general skills to interact with people. And the baseline of what they are is the development of virtue. Now, we've spoke about virtue earlier. What is virtue? Anyone remember? Great. I'm glad I'm making an impact here. A virtue is a good habit. It's an habitual action when we're speaking of moral virtues that is done again and again. So the garden of virtue is the front part of that castle before the, uh, the bridge that crosses over. And here, just image like a garden party is going on. There's tables of food. There's waiters going around. Everyone's having a grand time. But each of the tables or plants or whatever it is in the garden is a different virtue, a different thing that beautifies the front of my house. So it may be courtesy, respect, uh, kindness, generosity. These are all the virtues, but they manifest. The reason I say it's not just general phrases. They have to manifest in particular ways. You don't want to go into a party and the host says to you, I'm so happy you're here. Come right in. And you go into the house, it's bare. There's no drink. There's no food. The, 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 it's 90 degrees outside. And they're like, I'm saving AC. <laughs> it's not on today. You're, the, you know, people are going to be like, get me out of here. This is a lame house. <laughs> uh, 
that's what they're going to say. I mean, they may be nice about it, but that's what I think a lot of people in relationships do. They're talking about all these things. Like, they're, you know, I'm going to do these things. And you're like, well, what does it concretely mean? So I don't mean this in any way when I say generosity and whatnot. You've got to train yourself, this is what I said, to learn these things. So I call them tools of the trade. So if you're going to be generous, for instance, you better have things to give out. So if you've ever been in my office, for instance, it looks like a hodgepodge between religious paintings, a small food store, <laughs> random trinkets that are located in the drawer to be handed out. That's all deliberate. In other words, when people come in, I have a variety of things that I can offer them. Cheez-Its, gum, chocolates, you know, religious items, holy cards, religious images, uh, pens, whatever they need. I, I keep large quantities of things in there. If you come to my house next door, the fridge on the, in the, in the, it, intentionally, that fridge is always filled with drinks, more than what you would general, genuinely have at, or generally have if you went over. It's not just, here's water. Juice, water, Martinelli's, other drinks. That, Izzy's. Yeah, Izzy's. Okay. Now, I don't even drink those things. Like, I, had, I don't drink those drinks. I have never had an Izzy's. They've sat in there the whole time. I'm not, like, going, going to town on, on them at night. They're there for a reason. I, I, need, my, I need my beverages. So for generosity, it is important that you have things around. Another thing is courtesy, like training yourself in the art of greeting people, like you're doing, like when you open that door over and over, it may annoy Katya. It may. But here's what will happen over time. If you do that enough times, that actually becomes part of the actual way you interact. When you start it, it may be, I don't want to say canned, but not natural. You've got to say, I'm going to do it this time. But when you do it enough, it becomes very commonplace. You know how to do it, and it becomes very natural. Anyone who is skilled at anything, take like a, a great speaker. Think of someone who you think is a great speaker. They, they, they obtain that skill through practice over and over. It becomes natural. David's skills on the organ there. I mean, how many hours have you played uh, pipe down an organ in your life, do you think? Well, it's mostly, it was mostly violin. It was probably about, well, I didn't have any. I have 10 years of There you go. So if we wanted to say, you know, could you play for us uh, Canon in D? Yeah, see that? <laughs> see, my... Here's the thing. If you have someone has skills, they probably have it. It's just like someone who knows how to bake. They, if you go in and you're like, would you make me a coconut cake? The person's like, done. Right? I'm waiting for another one. That was okay. So it was a good cake. So here's the thing. I don't want to go through all the virtues, but my point is for your garden of virtue, I don't mean that you write out a list on a sheet of paper of, of generic virtues and say that's part of what you're doing. 
I mean you need to train yourself in it. And, and what you're doing is creating, like, if someone comes into a relationship with me, what is it that that person needs for them to be happily disposed? And those people, and you use the right phrase here, Hannah, those are acquaintances. I do not consider people who are in that garden friends. They are acquaintances. And in my mind, I know that. Now, I don't go up to them and say, you are an acquaintance, you are a friend, you are an acquaintance. Ouch. You know, I don't do that because why no one. Special? What? Because I don't buy store-bought cake. You don't want what I mean. So I, you don't, you don't want to communicate, but you need to know where you're at with people. Because when you get access to the house, a person can either beautify it or they can destroy it. So, the next thing, does anyone have a question about the garden of virtue? About how you called, in other words, it's beautiful because there are virtues. That's where most people are. Yeah. So, in your garden of virtues, would it be things that you're also getting from other people? Like, people can come into your garden and, like, show you how other virtues can be. Sure. It would be like, think of it as like a garden party. People are speaking to you. You've got your virtues, but as someone comes in, you may say, no, I think I'll, I need that as well. You know, so there's a lot of give and take, and you're spending a lot of your relations in that garden because that's where the initial contacts with most people are. And you want to have it beautified because it would be like, that's why I use the image of the, the foul house or the no AC. You don't want it where someone comes into your gar the front of your house and it's like, overgrown with weeds. You've got like old jelly beans and chocolate straw for them. <laughs> I'm just saying, I mean, you don't want, you don't want like, if you went on, you're like some moldy cheese. You're like, it's all I have. I mean, I, I was hoping you, or, or something that actually happened at a birthday party one time years ago I was at where the Coke that they offered you guys probably don't even remember this, but the top of the Coke bottle used to be thinner, like the, and it was so old, it was from the thing, and a person looked at the bottom and goes, this is four years old. So you don't want to offer that. It doesn't go over well. So you, it's stale. And if your virtues are stale, people can tell. The second thing is the bridge over. So the bridge over is how a person is, progresses to the house. First off, no one should gain access without an invitation. You should invite people to be friends. Now, it doesn't be you go up and say, would you like to be my friend, okay? <laughs> it's the way, that you, the way that you spend it and communicate. Very different than a relationship of dating. You often don't need to make a formal request of someone to be a friend. You do need to do that in dating. So. But what is important is that you, you are deliberate about, I would like this person. I want to make the offer of this person to enter into my heart. And so as they walk, you escort people. You don't just have an open door policy. That's why I say the line, everyone's a friend, where I say, how, are you, how do you distinguish? What's your differentiation of people and friendship? You're like, ah. You know, nothing. I, I call everyone a friend. I hate to say it. Women do this a lot more often than guys, just by statement. 
I'm not saying guys don't do it. But when they're going up and say, oh, we, you know, these big hugs and everyone's a friend, that, the better thing to say is you're a wonderful acquaintance of mine. You're a wonderful acquaintance of mine. We really don't know one another well. You articulated something very well when you said, I hang out with people here, but my friends are the ones I do other things with. Just because you hang out with someone, just because you happen to be around at a convenient time with people, does not mean that that person is a friend of yours. It's convenient. It's easy. That's not what friendship is. It doesn't mean it couldn't be the rooting of friendship, but that itself isn't friendship. What's that? I call them casual friends. Casual friends. There you go. Buddies. Well, whatever your words are. Acquaintances, me, buddies for you, casual friend. As long as you know where they're at. Now, at the door of the castle, you should have guards. The guards are the essential things for a person to enter into a relationship with you that is friendship or, in the case, you know, marriage, dating, a more serious relationship. Now, you need to pick what your guards are yourself. I'll tell you what my two are. But, and you don't need a ton of guards because no one wants to walk up to a house and see armed guards all over the place. <laughs> Have you ever met someone who is so closed off you can't access the heart. It's because they have too many guards. And there are people that are guarding their heart so much, they've got an armed security force outside. So when you go up, you're like, okay. That's right. Yeah, the Secret Service is out there. You, and who wants to go in there? I mean, like, if you're like, you walk up and you see like these, these people like patrolling to see what it's, it's like, I'm fine in the garden. I'm good. I'm good out here. So I would say no more than two. And they should be undercover. So the guards are not standing with halberds, you know, like waiting for entrance. What do I mean by undercover? You know what they're seeking. You communicate it to them in advance, but other people don't necessarily know it. You, okay, do you get what I'm saying? In other words, like if I were, if they were a security force, I would say this is what you're looking for. Do, you, but you don't demonstrate. A good example is like the FBI. My brother-in-law is an FBI agent, so the, an FBI, the FBI always have to carry a firearm on them, on or off duty at all times, if they're an agent, with with exception, I think. But so he always has to have not just his side piece, but a second weapon usually. At least that's what I was told. So if I'm giving false information out, I, oh, I am giving, okay, I'm giving accurate information. Is your dad FBI? Oh, okay. Works for, works, works for the government, okay. He is not, but I do know. Okay. So. What is, what type of second firearm does he carry? I honestly have never seen it. Okay. Okay. No, 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 no. I think it's a pistol, like an ankle pistol or something. Here's the thing. The image that I want you to get, though, is if you ever look at them very similar to Secret Service, that they're not that you can't see the the armament. They're armed, but you're not seeing it. That's the kind of person I'm speaking is standing outside your house. Now, the two for me are goodness and respect. What do we mean? Goodness is related to the very nature of what I said there. If 
See, so it's not just words here. A person who is not good is not a friend. A person who is not good does not gain access to my heart. If a person is engaged in serious immoral behavior, they gain no access. Now, I don't necessarily tell them that. They just are never invited up. And if they do come up to the door, guess what? I don't invite them in because the security is outside. Because before a person becomes a friend, the security, if you're thinking, like, how does this actually work? Because there's no real security guard out there. No, you're right. The security guard is when you're entering into a relationship with someone, those are the two questions you ask. Is this a good person? Do they respect me? If you can't answer yes immediately, they're out. That's the thing. The that's they get the boot. Out they go. So goodness is that. They need to honestly seek what is good. The second is respect. This is who I am. They need to understand to the degree they can what I am about. They may not always, they may not, they may not participate in the same activities that I do, but they need to respect what I am doing. And there are people that may be good people who just don't respect you well. They can be good, but they're not respecting. That is not a person who I want in my house. So guess what? They don't get in. So whatever your guardians are, because everyone has weaknesses or things that they need, to, their vulnerabilities for admitting people, that's where the security is. If, if you think about it, if you have security, it's set up in a manner to protect against things that are vulnerable. There's a reason why you don't have a security guard inside a, uh, the, uh, you know, like inside a locked a treasury area. They're outside. The, the inside is already secure. Right? And when you have a secure, that's the thing. If you have a weak area, that's where you position the guards. Any comments on that? Yeah. Can your guards be, or, I know you're speaking of them in a metaphorical sense. Yes, <coughs> metaphor. But could they be an actual person? No. Because I know in my case, I'm not, the, I'm, I have a very bad track record for judging people's intentions. And my younger sister, who I'm very close to, is very loud, loud or loudly spoken. Um, and is often, will tell me, you know, month, like months ahead of whatever issue I have with the person, like, I don't like them. That person, something's, some, something doesn't sound right about that person. Fast forward a couple months in, they turn out not to be a good person. Well, I'm not saying you can't ask someone, and it's good to ask people, particularly people who are in the house already. That is something you should do, particularly for key relationships. People who are in, who are friends, loved ones, and everyone's not into it, having access to the same parts of the house. We'll get into that in a minute. But yes, you should ask them because they know the in part of your house. But that's different from being a guard. The guard is simply seeing whether or not the person gains initial access. So you need to make that judgment because your, your sister may not be there at a particular moment. These things are real life decisions at times. You don't necessarily have opportunities for key decisions. You would. Dating, long-standing or best friend, something like that. Then you'd have the time. But initial movement with friendship you may not have it. So it's better to say, I'm not relying on other people, at least that early on. 
Anything else? Yeah. Even if people who initially checked off those qualifications, like they were good, they didn't respect you, and then like later down the road something happens, they change their actions and they no longer check off those qualifications. So they're in the, I had a video I wanted to show you, uh, but I will, I'll, I'll reenact it here. That, sim <laughs> that symbolizes what I mean by that. There is a referee video, one of my favorite oh, scenes. Yes, the, it's a, a, a college game where the referee goes and he's conversing with the coach. And the coach has left the coaching box, so the coach is supposed to stay in a specific box. And what he does is he goes up to the person and he puts his arm on him and they begin walking back towards the box. And he's listening, the coach is blah, 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 yelling. And then as soon as they get to the box, he goes, you stay here. And then he turns off and he leaves. That's exactly what you do. You slowly escort the person to the exit and you say, you stay here. And then you go back in your house. A person who violates once they're in is immediately out. They are escorted out as fast as possible. Because if they, you may say, well, that's not how I work. If they have damaged the inside of the house, they shouldn't have been in there to begin with. I would say to you, how many times would you let someone come in and raid your house at home? One. Well, you're right. John Bosco did do it too. But that was the barn. The se second time was the barn. Second time was the barn. You are right. Got the pillows. I did like that. He got first was the pillows. And then was the hay. I mean, it was like, all right. I can only imagine the mom, though his, his, her, his mom's up for canonization too. Um, so when you get in the house, the, the best way to do this is you can imagine a layout of the house. I actually, it's a good thing to do is, for those who are more visual is to draw out a few rooms for a house. Like what are the things that are key about you in your, um, in your life? Like what is friendship? So it may be like family uh, activities that you like to engage in, uh, key parts of who you are, like what do you need in, in good relationships? So I often say to people when they're thinking about uh, dating, I'll say to them, what are the essential qualities that you need in a um, significant other? And they'll come up with things, you know, I mean, all kinds. Usually they come up with, this is how they usually begin. They'll be like, um, someone who makes me laugh and is driven, is going to get a good job and provide for me. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I, also someone that uh, really loves me. And I say, well, let's think of the opposite. Who would like the opposite? Someone who has no sense of humor, isn't driven, is a deadbeat, can't get a job, and doesn't love me. So that's not what we're talking about. I mean, who, who wants that? So we're, we're, those are not qualities. Everyone wants those qualities. What separates you from another person? And people often don't like to do this in dating because they're like, well, it means that I shouldn't date certain people. Right, exactly. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But in friendship, it's the same. Like, what are the essential things? Like, if you like to travel or you like to be outdoors all the time and your friend is a couch potato who sits and watches TV all day long, guess what? It's not going to be a good friendship, okay? It's just not going to be a great friendship. 
So you need to know what are your essential things. Some are more meaningful, like maybe family and uh, interests that you have. But then other faith would be something, right. And these would be like different rooms in the house that when someone comes in as a friend, that you would introduce them slowly or normally to different rooms. Like when someone goes in your house for the first time, that's why I like the imagery. First, you go into the foyer. Then usually you go into the living room or kitchen. And these can be certain things that are like in entry level things in a relationship. So it could be common activities, basic understanding of each family, you know, background, etc. Then later on, you may go to the living room, you may go to the dining room, and each of these is another semblance of a relationship that you have. The third thing is, like I like to call the top floor. Unless, it's very rare when you go into someone's house, you'd be like, can I have a tour? I mean, sometimes you bring them around, but it'd be like, imagine, try it. If, I would like you to try this. Just tell me how it goes, just for... Go into someone's house who you've not been there and deadpan do this. So you're in the foyer and they're like, you know, right when they begin, they're like, would you like a drink or anything? Would you like to come into the kitchen? You know, take your shoes off, whatever it is. Say, actually, I'd like to see the master bedroom. <laughs> Just say, go because here's the thing. Or, or worse, I'd like to see the master bath. Here, the thing is, there are certain rooms in the house that are rooms that are more off limits. There's a reason why, probably, unless it's family, maybe a close, few close friends in your parents' house, none of you having a home, people don't go into your master bedroom. First off, it's usually the one like you've jammed all your stuff in. You're like, the house is so beautiful. And meanwhile, the doors, like the hinges are creaking. Like, it's a, I actually did that one time. I was blessing a house. And we went in and I saw this door closed. <laughs> and the person was like, do you need to get into every room? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I need to get into every room. And they're like, because I kind of wanted to look inside anyway. I mean, like, let's be clear. I, because if the door's closed, that's the room you want to see, right? <laughs> so I go for it, and I open it up, and they have clearly, like, thrown, like, every item, like, into this room. And then they said, oh, it doesn't usually look like this. And I thought, this is the bubble coming out. I'm like, right, your whole house looks like this as I was blessing it. But that's what I was, you went in. And, and another time, a person made me, when I was blessing a house, they were like, in behind this door, we don't want you to look. So we're going to open it, and we just want you to, like, sprinkle <laughs> behind the door. Yeah. So when you were blessing this house, per se, did you ever secretly mutter, like, deliverance or exorcism prayers? Not that house, but in other ones, I, I did some actual prayers. I was like, this place needs some extra prayers. <laughs> that, that place, though, was just a messy person. Okay. So... I want you to view like the master bedroom or the equivalent as what I call the treasury. Now, it's not in a castle, there would be the treasury. So it is the central or innermost sanctum of that place. Whatever in your house is the key place, this is the, who you are as a person. 
No one should gain access to your treasury without absolute certainty that that person is going to respect you. And this goes to something that you said. This is where it is often good when you're bringing people, just like if you were to tour the master bedroom in someone's house that isn't yours, you'd have to go to other people and say, is it okay if I bring so-and-so up to the bedroom? Which is kind of an awkward thing, okay? But it would be similar if you said, do you think that it's smart for me to bring this person into the treasury? Because a person who gets access to a treasury can steal or damage. This often in dating, we're into the friendship part right now, is the problem when people throw open when I say to people, stop communicating so much early on. This is the heart of it. What ends up happening, if you want an image, is we race through the garden, run over the bridge, burst into the house, and start communicating in rapid measure. Here's my family. Here's my friend. Ba ba ba. Going up. And then we're up in the treasury, and you're like, how long have you known each other? Two weeks, but we've spent, you know, 20 hours together. You've, you've, you've gone too quickly through it. You're, you're way up in the treasury, and you're like, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm not in the treasury. Yes, you are. And how do I know it? You're completely invested. That's why I like treasury. It involves investment. I thought it was a humorous thing. Thank you. Okay. So here's the thing. You've got to be guarded about what you're communicating to people. When you bring someone into the house, you go normally through there. No one wants that kind of tour where you're like, quickly, quickly, move, move, right? It's slow. It's a normal interaction. You ask questions. And the treasury, you should ask other people who are guided, smart, and also people who care for you, do you think it is smart for me to introduce this person now to the treasury? And if your parents or you know, trusted friend, mentor, whoever it is, says, stop, then because you respect them, you should stop. Because sometimes we're blinded when we're doing things. We're so excited about meeting new people that we want them to know everything about us. But here's the problem with that. When you get emotionally invested to people before you should be, if it doesn't work out, the only way you can handle it is to escort them out of the house. You know the line people always say in, in when they break up, they're like, but we'll be friends. And how often does that freaking happen? <laughs> right? I'm serious. Like, how often does it really happen? And someone's like, oh, I know someone who it happened. I'm not saying it never happens. I'm saying it is in the minority substantially the, uh, the amount of, yes. Is it wrong to not want to stay friends after you break up with no, someone? No, not at all. Because I often, like, not that I've had a lot of relationships, but I've seen a lot of people in the whole line of, you know, oh, well, we'll stay friends, we'll stay in contact. Well, with, you know, the one serious relationship, or I consider it a serious relationship that I was in, you know, we both accused it. We were going to stay friends, you know, afterwards and stuff because we liked each other. We had, you know, a large friend group in common. And the, about a week after I got dumped, I realized 
I don't want to talk to him anymore. I don't want him in my life anymore. Right. He hurts. Well, that's the thing. Even the phrase, like not, and people do use it. I hate that phrase, like I got dumped, because it sounds like it was just like, <laughs> but it is, it is often what happens, and that's the reason. You've been hurt by the person who was in, and, and that's where you need to be smart about how you're going through. Now, that doesn't mean, I want to be clear, that even if you're smart, you guard, that there's never any pain that happens. Yes, it will happen once in a while. There are frauds, charlatans, and sometimes relationships. I like the word charlatan, okay? Uh, there, there, there are frauds, charlatans, and sometimes relationships just don't work out. But it will be a lot less often than you'd think if you're about it, you're hodgepodge. I just, I'm feeling it right now. I'm feeling it. This is what I need to do. Well, watch how this disaster is going to go down. And that's what often occurs. So I would say, no, you're not wrong to do that. In fact, I would encourage you to do that generally when you break up. Not that you're cruel, but you know where that person ends up? Right in the garden of, 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 the, the garden of virtue. They, they, still get, they still get access, but only access to the garden. Now, the last thing about the treasury is the treasury should be well-ordered, unlike these houses that I've been to for blessings. You should know what is in your treasury. What are the important things? Uh, who are you? The treasury is not just your good, it's also your vulnerabilities. So you put them away because they're part of, they need to be locked up in a way that you don't allow people to manipulate. Now, why is it that you, uh, you ask other people? Because when you're vulnerable, and I don't mean vulnerable like someone's going to do something criminal towards you, I mean vulnerable emotionally. You have people that you've already trusted who can say to you, this is a prudent decision. I find it interesting that in the most critical moments when we're assessing friendship, when we're assessing dating, when we're assessing marriage, we often don't go to the people who have been the longest standing for our advice. Our parents are out, mentors are out, and who do we go to? Our our, our friends who generally say to us things like, absolutely, I think you should go for it. And the, 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 if you do ask someone who's older, has more experience, they're usually saying like, hold, pump the brakes, please. And you're like, no, but all my, my I call it the coffee clatch, you know, they all told me that I should do it and I'm really feeling it. Okay, well. Let's watch this train wreck go down. And you may say, there was one time it didn't occur. Right, Every, one in a hundred does not train wreck. But it's about those, those, number, those figures. Your odds are not, are not good odds. So that is the image of the castle that I hope assists you not just with dating, but also with friendship. Uh, that the way you approach friendship, it would be good for you to draw out and take a look at that from time to time with relationships. The last thing I want to say is what happens if you don't do a good job with guarding? You can cause serious scarring for people for a long time, particularly if people gain access to the treasury. If you've ever seen someone that has been seriously wounded and, you know, like they break up from a relationship and they're crying nonstop for weeks, I mean, there's pain whenever you break up, but I'm talking like over the top. Their treasury has been raided. 
and they regret the decisions that they have made. What I'm saying is, yes, someone may harm you to some degree if they gain access, but if we're smart about gaining access to the treasury, that kind of wound should not occur. You are vetting people before they go too far in your heart. Who here has met someone without names who you've seen that their treasury has been raided? Okay, is it a pretty scene? Right, it's long lasting and many times they are so angry they say things that are unreasonable. I mean, the number of times I've had like someone come in, they've just broken up, for instance, and they're like, I'm never going to talk to another guy again. Here's my line. Oh, please. I'll say, oh. I don't say that, though. But what are they really saying there? Well, here's what they're really saying. I was so hurt that I don't want to be hurt again like that. Now, that I agree with. But they go over the top with the, the lines. And if you've ever heard of a, like a rebound relationship, it often comes from the idea that we don't want to admit the pain. So we force someone out of the house and there's just someone in the garden. You're like, next, you know. <laughs> and then you realize that that's a losing proposition, too. So I really think the image of the heart, uh, the, the castle imagery, is very helpful for many of these things. It helps us to understand virtue. It helps us to understand the acquaintanceship, how to gain access to the heart with the guardians, how to develop what we're communicating in friendship, to find out how far along in friendship we are, like how many things have we communicated, to find out what are the, the key pieces of who, are, of who we are in our heart, vulnerabilities and things that are important to us, and then who are the people that are in our house already that can be trusted friends and mentors when we need to ask questions about other people who are gaining access to the heart? Questions or comments on that? I, I like to give a nice long summary of that castle because I think that it can really benefit people uh, if, they, if they take it to heart. It's been very beneficial for me to have that, that image. Anyone? Uh, yeah. So I know you're talking about like people entering too quickly to yeah. the treasury, but there isn't there always some kind of risk in a relationship? Oh, sure. People coming into your heart, even if it is a one time thing, there is always still a risk. That's right. That you could get hurt and you could get ended really quickly. Okay, so there's two things. Yeah, uh, let me comment on that. One of the things that I say when I go into someone else's heart, in a sense, when you become a friend to another, is it is very important that I go in unarmed. Well, here's what I mean by that. If you go in packing, <laughs> all right, you're, yeah, exactly, you're ready to go. Like, if this doesn't work out, I'm ready to take action. <laughs> what ends up happening is you can do damage to someone else. So when you go in and you say, I'm vulnerable, and I say, I will go in unarmed, so even if I'm wounded, I won't do any damage to anyone else. That's the first thing I, I think we should say. That's the better way to enter in. And if you, see a lot, if you see people with a lot of baggage, and you're inviting them into your heart, understand baggage equates to arsenal. <laughs> I mean that sincerely. What I mean is people who carry a lot of baggage who come in,
and I don't mean they intentionally do it. When things go badly, they often lash out. Anyone seen that before? It doesn't mean that they want to do that, but it means that th that is the defense mechanism. And so it's very important, like if you may say, what happens if you are someone with baggage? Well, you got to work that out or else that will keep manifesting in your relationships with other people. Like if you realize that every time you enter into a friendship, usually within three months or so, there's some big blow up. Don't keep pointing at the other person. Look at yourself. Doesn't mean the other people don't have problems. But then that goes to the second thing is to say, are you still vulnerable? Yes. Anytime you admit someone to your house, whether it be you invite someone over for dinner or it is the emotional or the metaphor of the heart, there is always the possibility the person could be a bad house guest. But if you take this, the, what you're doing here is you're limiting the possibility of the damage. A, if you're, you go through the guardian, they at least have whatever your guardians are, they've gotten through. And then if you're deliberate in your interaction, they haven't gained. So when the damage occurs, it only is to one room in the house. If you admit them into the treasury, there is always, particularly when we're dealing with dating, that there is the possibility that someone could break your heart right at the end. Well, that is something that is what we say the vulnerability of love. To love anyone requires vulnerability. If you are not vulnerable, you will never love another person because you are constantly guarded in your interactions. You ever see misers? The reason that they don't, they don't need to give anything out because they're, they're holding everything so close. They're, they're not generous. And when people are not generous in love, that's what occurs. They're guarded. But in vulnerability, at a certain point, you need to say, this is the way it would look if you were in the, the actual image. You would say to the guards, is this person good? We're all good here. Okay. You go to your, the, 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 the council, which would be your key people that are in the house. What do you think about this person? It's good. Is anyone of any concerns here? We're all good. Then you make your own assessment as you're walking to the treasury. Is this something I definitely want to do? Then you say to the person outside the door, you are about to enter into the most sacred space of my heart. I ask you to treasure what you are about to see. Even if our relationship does not work out, I ask you to return everything there as best as possible. And then you open and that's the moment of vulnerability. So yes, they can still go in there and say like, hey, and they're throwing like gold coins around and they're like, I was just waiting to get here. But with all of those steps, that's why I'm saying it's more than simply saying, I hung out a long time. Like notice how my thing is thought out. There's guards and people that are there. And I don't want you to think like, oh, this is overly complex. It's I've made a deliberate decision. I have people who I respect. Now I enter into a Instead of it's like, I feel it. I've got a serious emotion and the, pro and the person has told me that they love me. Who cares? Who cares? Get to the council. They know you better. Get to those people who have been in your life for 10 and 15 years. They'll tell you what they think. And I loved it in my house. I'll tell you, I always loved when my sisters would bring guys home. Because as we sat around the table, seminarian number one, 
priest number one. I mean, the one guy was non-Catholic. It was like, I could see in his eyes. He's like, is this real? I mean, like, is this real? I mean, like, there's all these guys in black there. And of course, my brothers and I had worked out things like how we were addressing. Like, I kept calling him. I said, most reverend father, would you pass the, would you pass the salt? Would you pass the salt, most reverend father? And then I said, oh, and then one, my other brother was calling me your excellency. <laughs> so the guy doesn't know what to say. He's like, it was nice. It was nice. She didn't, she didn't, she didn't marry that guy. All right, let's close with prayer. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. amen. All right. Next